Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another kind of funny screencast breakdown for Disney Plus's Secret Invasion episode for, of course, I am Tim Geddes, and I'm joined once again by a returning from Rooster Teeth Convention oh. 2023, Eric Voss from New Rockstars. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Tim. Thanks for having me back. I miss, uh, missed it last week. It was awesome to see MT on it, though. It's he crushed great. it, as always. Love that guy. Yeah, he's, he's just great. great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm so jealous you get to work with him, like, all the time. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice guy, and uh, I, I love his theories, and yeah, he's uh, I miss talking about Secret Invasion with him, honestly, this season, but yeah, I was glad to see him on Rooster Teeth. He's like a, he's a good fit over here. I, or sorry, I said Rooster Teeth. I meant kind of funny. My brain's still yep. at RTX, but yep. yeah, there's like just a good vibes between new rock stars and kind of funny. It's oh, always fun 100%. to have this crossover. Now, what great. I love about that, too, is like the new rock star is kind of funny. Like, we get along so well, but now I love the added Rooster Teeth element because like us mm-hmm. and Rooster Teeth go back, I mean, essentially to the beginning. But like uh, seeing them like welcome you guys into the family has been awesome. And I think what I'm really excited about is we're lucky enough that we've been doing this a long time. We get to hang out with the audience and we get to we've done so many meet and greets, so many live shows and been able to like connect with the people out there. I feel like you kind of having your meteoric rise in the pandemic era kind of has stalled that experience for you and i'm so excited you actually get to be in the same room with people i know this isn't the first time but like it still must be fresh and new for you right it is so overwhelming and it's so hard to keep up with all of it like that was a big goal for 2023 is we want to do more live events and we've done four of them so far we were going to do comic-con we had like as a company we kind of had to step back from it some of us are still gonna have a presence there i really i just can't go because it would have been three weekends in a row i would have been away from my wife and i cannot do that to her (laughs) again and it's not because she's saying she wanted me to go and i was just like i miss you i'm tired of staying in a hotel i need her more than she needs me i think honestly (laughs) I'm I'm so dependent on her, but yeah, um, most of the, I think as you know, most of these other like media companies, like they can just kind of divide and conquer. They're used to just getting these opportunities to go to these live events and covering these media events and kind of like doing these interview junkets. uh, And then they go home and make content. Whereas we evolved as a company, just staying in our, in our homes, making content, making three videos a day sometimes. And that's just how I'm still wired. I'm just a content producing machine. And so I'm now like trying to balance it out of how we can do this at the same time. But like, I don't know about you, when I go to these events, like this happened in Austin at Rooster Teeth, when we were at WonderCon, Mm -hmm. um, there was like another event recently I was at, I literally run back to my hotel room and I spend all night writing and I'll, I'll record. I recorded a video out of the hotel room that I was at while other people were kicking back by the pool, networking, interviewing people. I literally have to take my computer and I run back. I'm like, I have to write and review a video right now, please. Yeah. And that's just, eh. hey, I'm not complaining about my job. I'm just saying like, no, this hard, is man. why it's hard for me to commit Dude, to these live events. I get it. I will say, though, and like not to give you advice or anything, but it's like when you go to these events, man, try your best to have other people write the reviews, other people write the stuff. Because yeah. being there, connecting, having that pool time, and don't think of it as rest and relaxation. It is. But it also is hanging out with people, networking, getting to know them, and building that with the audience. Man, it, there's nothing like it. But yeah. uh, You guys are so good at it. You guys are good at just oh. like <laughs> chilling, making it a cool vibe, but like you're, you could see you're moving the ball forward 
forward. And it's just like, yeah, for me, like I have different hemisphere of, hemispheres of my brain. I have to be like, sorry, yes, I was thinking about a video that I need to do right yeah. now, but let's talk. Yes, yeah. let's get to know each other. I love it, man. Uh, uh, well, very happy to have you back here. Of course, this is the screencast. We're doing our weekly breakdowns of Secret Invasion. Uh, this is episode four. So we have two more to go. We'll be doing that. Once it's all done, we're going to be doing a proper in review where we rank, review, and recap it with the entire kind of funny crew. Um, so I'm very excited for that. In review is about to be crazy too. We're doing uh, Oppenheimer uh, next week, which I'm extremely excited about to uh, keep Nolan in review going. And then we're going to do a very special one-off of Barbie because we have to. We just have to. I love the kind of funny in reviews. I yeah. think it's like my favorite thing you guys do because yeah, it just gets so wild. It's wild. It's so stupid. And it, the, <laughs> the stuff that we have planned for Barbie, I just can't wait for you to see the the set design, the intro, oh, it's fantastic. Um, but then uh, we also are going to be back for screencast for Ahsoka. Uh, me and Barrett just did a breakdown of the trailer that dropped, so you can check that out. And then, yeah, we'll be doing weekly uh, breakdowns of that as well uh, with uh, Sage Ryan and Anthony Carboni, of course, joining us to talk all about Star Wars. Um, remember, you can get the show uh, ad-free by going to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, just like our Patreon producers, James Hastings, Casey Andrew, and Nathan Lamoth have done. Uh, today, we're brought to you by Bird Dogs, but I'll tell you about that later. Eric, you weren't here last week. I didn't get to hear your thoughts on uh, episode three, so kind of give me, give me your thoughts overall of three, but then what do you think okay. of episode four? So episode three, I think, might have been the weakest of the first three episodes. Episode four, I think, was a step back to the norm. Uh, I liked episode more, four more than I liked episode three. There was just some issues, and I think you can kind of sense this in the Easter egg breakdown I did for the new Rockstars channel. I, I try to just stay focused on appreciating the craftsmanship, but sometimes if the logic issues aren't just there, it it, it does start to seep into my analysis and there was just some issues with the plot to hijack the submarine and why would you need to turn keys like we we're debating like is this a nuclear icbm that they're firing at a u.n plane why would you need to fire a nuke at a plane to bring it down uh but then we realized oh no it doesn't have to be a nuke it's just a missile but why does it have to be from a russian sub or not a russian a uk sub and why do they need to simultaneously turn the keys that's something you only need to do if it's like an icbm because you have it's almost like the the blank bullet and the execution yeah. That you know, like they they do it so there's shared accountability. So, but then someone's like, "Well, it was a nuke." So everyone's just like, "Well, if it was a nuke, that's a problem. If it wasn't a nuke, that was a problem." Anyway, but I'm overthinking it. Um, overall, I I like the scenes with uh, Talos and with Fury. This episode really just got to see Don Cheadle shine. Oh, yeah. And I really love what we call Scrody, which is gross, oh, yeah. I know. Love it. But, uh, but just seeing Don Cheadle play a slightly different slightly version different. of himself, of herself, because mm -hmm. we find out it's a female scroll named Rava, I that think it's right. Rava, who is like a scroll pirate who hangs out with Black Bolt in the comics. Oh, cool. I think that was like my favorite part of this episode. It's just seeing Scrody. Rhodey be such a jerk. Yeah. He made the guy whose who's arm was in a sling from Nick Fury, twisted and broke his arm, still opened the door for yeah, him. Love and that. it was so mean, but it was so funny. And like, I would love if like uh, Rhodey gets to be more of a villain in the final two episodes. Yeah, dude, that'd be awesome. I, I'm right there with you. I do feel like this is probably my least favorite episode. And I think it's mm. mainly because uh, we're now kind of, kind of starting seeing answers to the questions we've been asking. Yes, he is a scroll, right? We've mm -hmm. been theorizing on it then at, at some point it kind of became like explicitly clear like with the phone call last week but to see it in this episode it's like cool this is where we're going i just kind of feel like with the runtime of this episode being the shortest so far like this one was like super short yeah just a little over 30 minutes yeah i kind of feel like they they had a lot going on they had the most action we've had so far in, in uh the series they uh kind of like 
got to the next level for a lot of the storylines, but I still kind of feel that the core of it, the mystery, the secret invasion angle, what is the plot of Gravik and what they're doing there, I kind of feel like it already crescendoed, and it's mm. like we now know the plan, and it doesn't feel... For these type of spy thrillers, I'm kind of expecting like a it goes all the way to the top type mm -hmm. thing. I'm like, oh, but actually this, actually this, actually this. And I feel like they kind of went so far with it with like the world leaders a couple episodes ago that to now be in this essentially just like generic-esque chase scene uh, or like action scene with the the cars on the, the towards the end with the president stuff, it just kind of felt like they didn't know what to do yeah. to like up the ante of it all. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just feels like I, I this episode in particular didn't make me feel like Gravik's plan is moving forward any more than it was already. And it kind of just feels like, all right, cool. Now he's just a super powerful bad guy. Yeah. Now we see him do the Groot arm thing and it's like, okay, we're maybe a little sooner than expected getting to the, they're a super villain. That's what this is. And yeah. I just feel like that takes away from the espionage spy stuff that potentially could have cool reveals. The reveals just don't feel special because we all saw it coming uh, mm -hmm. when, when it comes to uh, Rhodey. And then what they did with it only works now to turn this from a negative sounding criticism to a positive. The best thing about the show is the actors yeah, and oh, the, the writing and the way that they're going back and forth and man, they're shining. It's just to me a bummer that like what they're doing and saying isn't surrounded by a plot that makes that much sense or is that interesting or engaging compared to other spy thrillers and things like that. But um, seeing Don Cheadle be able to do this slightly tweaked roadie I'm having a great time, and Samuel Jackson just keeps getting better in this mm -hmm. movie. Like the amount of, of just uh, dialogues that they give him, like one on one with others, they just let him go off, and he is doing so so great. Yeah, I agree, and I I think that is why I'm still feeling good about this show. the The acting performances are all fantastic, and I'm having a good time. I was, but I think I do agree with you in general that I mean we're only four out of six episodes, so it's too soon to judge. These last two episodes could be complete bangers and blow blow mm -hmm. us all away. But right now, it starts to feel like we're in the Falcon Winter Soldier tier. Yeah. And I say that for the general consensus that the Falcon Winter Soldier is one of the lower appreciated Marvel Disney Plus shows. That's kind of how it feels like right now. And that the villains feel underdeveloped. That the stakes feel unclear. Uh, that we don't really know exactly what this show is about. That the writers seem a little unsure. Um, and uh, But again, I'm holding out for these last two episodes uh, kicking ass. But... Yeah, you mentioned Gravik. Uh, Gravik is a dumbass. Like his his plan sucks. Like the and that's the problem with this with this show. And you see this all the time. Not just Marvel. You see it on a lot of streaming shows. When the villain versus a hero is just a fumbling contest. When the villain's plan doesn't really hold any logical water, and the hero's plan doesn't really hold any logical water, and whoever just has the the least bad plan ends up winning by the end of the episodes that feels so unsatisfying ideally what we would have is a hero who's really good at their particular skill a villain who's good at either that particular skill but from a different moral perspective or a completely complementary skill that that balances it out mm -hmm. they go head to head with each other one gets ahead of each other each episode so it's kind of like a, a rat race till the end and then they surprise us with how good they are at that thing whether that's brilliant spycraft whether that's just strength whether that's like clever backstabbiness and this show, like when he starts to like shine a light through Nick Fury's plans or Gravik's plans, they fall apart. Gravik's plan was to tell his soldiers yell in Russian because you know how Russians like to be really loud. That's as Russians do. 
You idiot. No, no. Have you ever heard of the KGB? Like, the KGB is one of the sneakiest, most clandestine spy organizations on the planet. They kill people by just inserting little needles in bottles of water and handing it to some Ukrainian president's aide who hands it to him in a hotel uh, thousands of miles away, and then they die. And only because the CIA has, like, their investigation on it are we able to say it was the Russians. The Russians are clandestine when it comes to the spycraft stuff. They do not. When they invade Crimea, they send soldiers who are not wearing Russian flags. Because that's how they roll. They don't like to take credit for these things. It's only when it's Putin uh, sending forces in to invade the Ukraine, Ukraine, not the Ukraine, excuse me, uh, is when they say, this is us, this is us. But most of the time when they're doing spycraft, when they're assassinating people, they don't want the international community to know it was them. So the fact that Gravik doesn't know that and the fact that the episode writers don't seem to know that is a huge problem. And so that's why, like, Gravik is so unsatisfying. He doesn't seem to have good plans. And to have Amelia Clark say, Gravik's plan is better. It's like, I have not seen Gravik have a good terroristic no. strategy yet on this show. Yeah, and, and again, for it to kind of end with the what Nick always talks about, the punch harder uh, solution yeah. to these problems, the, like, action scene at the end of this episode, like, having him do the, the Groot arms and all that stuff— the way that it was even shot of the amount of shootouts, you brought up the stakes earlier. The, there was no tension in that scene. And like I, I feel like the fact that Talos dies at the end of this, he gets shot at the end of this, and it's pretty dramatic, and they play it as if he's actually dead. They've done that four times now on the show. <laughs> I feel like we're getting to the point now. It's like, all right, cool. We had Maria Hill. We had... Um, uh, Gaia, Amelia yeah, yeah, Clark, yeah. and now we have uh, this, and it's like, cool, well, we see uh, Amelia Clark is back. She's a super scroll, and it's like, okay, that's a direction you guys could have went with that, but for that to be last week's cliffhanger, and now this week, Ta- Talos, I feel like Talos is dead. Like, yeah. I feel like this is the end for him, and I don't know that I feel satisfied by that. Yeah. I mean, I think he actually is dead. With Gaia, they did show her snooping around the super scroll technology, uh, and we just knew from trailer footage that she was going to be in more of it. So I get that she'd have that like Jon Snow resurrection thing, which yeah. I think is fun. But um, but with Talos, it was such a slow death by a thousand cuts death. It took so long. I thought it looked really cool. I you oh, know yeah. we can diss the VFX that Mar- for, that Marvel does. This looked awesome. It was a so mixture sick. of practical. It was kind of scary, man. It looked really monstrous, and like that's when it's good when it's a marriage between practical makeup and VFX mm-hmm. because they definitely put some stuff on Ben Mendelsohn's face. You could see how uncomfortable he looked because yeah. they had. To to like cover his hair and plaster it down and that's when it's good when you can tell that the acting performance is affected by it uh and then they they had the little digital skin grafts come in over his face he's bleeding only purple i thought it looked so good so to me it was like a, a visceral slow death that proved to me that he would die i mean he got shot and he got stabbed and he was left there and i believe in trailer footage you see him laying there with um Gaia mm. over him. Mm. So next episode's probably going to be someone recovering that. I would be really surprised if she was able to get like Holy Grail Fountain of Youth water and, and pour it on him. And but extremists, extremists, that's right. Can, can she bleed some, it to be. <laughs> some some Jen Walters uh, She Hulk blood into <laughs> extremist blood, and then he seals up and he's fine. Crazier things have happened in Marvel. Yeah, so so it's interesting now. Like, let's uh, kind of. Well, I, I want to talk about something that I actually really liked from this. Yeah, episode. we've been really hard uh, on it. Which, I'm sorry, which, I was yelling hey, about Crimea. No, hey, but it's great. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that there's a conversation to be had about the show. And again, it's it is good. I feel like it's never been bad. I just kind of feel like it's more. Oh, I wish it was a little heightened. I wish yeah. this. I wish that. But like, there's a lot of good here. And um, something I feel like they've done a great job with is the. Um, flashback scenes that we've been getting mm-hmm. and the way that they've been peppered through here um, and throughout Nick Fury's like entire tenure, um, really from the 90s all the way till now, we're kind of like 
filling in these little gaps in ways that I love that stuff. I love going back and getting new information about like filling in like different years we know about whatever. So when it pops up 2012, it's like we know what that means. Mm -hmm. The MCU has talked about it so many times, <laughs> right? Like 2012, the Battle of New York, such a big thing. And for them to be in Paris, uh, no, start saying Paris. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then 2012, my, all right, cool. I understand where we're at. Him and his wife having that conversation and th that whole back and forth, again, the acting, incredible. I loved the back and forth of them talking about what their purpose is on Earth. The mm -hmm. uh, Raymond Carver, um, who is one of Gia's uh, favorite authors. Oh, yeah. So she popped the fuck off. She's like, I can't believe they're talking about this. Like, she's like, he's a literary god. And like that, the poem that they're talking about there is the last thing he wrote before he died. So it was his last published yeah. thing. Oh, okay. Um, but I loved her kind of setting up that her story of her backstory about becoming this woman, like how she got this body and like the love and respect that she has for the human that mm -hmm. she took over that is dead now. Yeah. Right. Which hold on. Does that make sense? That, uh, what do you mean? What does it that, make sense? Cause weren't we talking a couple weeks back about the bodies have to still be alive. Oh, I don't know if the bodies still have to be alive. I think, it helps them so they can go back. But yeah, that's a good question. My interpretation of it was that once you make the copy of something, the, the, the original carbon copy can be destroyed, or the original file can be destroyed, but the carbon copy can still live on. Okay. But yeah, I don't know what exactly the rules are. I understand the confusion there. Yeah, interesting, because like, I remember us talking about how they have those like the, that station room with the like, mind control -y looking things where like, people are kind of being held in status. So if they're, why would they need that then if... Hmm. That's a good question. Maybe they want to slowly irradiate those bodies in radioactive hotspots just mm -hmm. to mess with them. No, but I think it would be like they still have memories to mine from them if they're going to be actively in the lives and in the world and in the jobs of those other yeah. people. Whereas, you know, she made three promises to still um, look after her parents a little bit, uh, to not hurt Fury, to bury her at sea. So it seemed like you know, Vara has more bandwidth to be to kind of live her own life and doesn't need the original Dr. Priscilla Davis to yeah. go back to in a fracking pod. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, that is a good question. It, yeah, it does it's, raise some, again, some logical issues, right? Totally, some totally. But issues. taking that out of it, I liked the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. liked the three rules and um, specifically one of them being Protect Fury. I feel yeah. like that adds a, uh, a nuance to this character that was interesting to be revealed we knew nick fury had a wife but to actually get to meet her to learn he does know she's a scroll that just adds i think a lot of context to fury's relationship with these people um and how uh integrated he's been with them for the last couple decades right yeah in in this world um but then also like to have the later scene in this episode like seeing her kind of the last couple episodes turn more onto the scroll side of things, the, the bad scroll side of things. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of puts them in an interesting place of she's siding with Rhodey. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is she going to shoot and kill Nick Fury? And like, mm -hmm. that's kind of the, we, we believe she's going to until they have that conversation referencing back to the 90 or the, the 2012. Um, and I thought they did a really good job with like making it believable that, I thought she was going to do it, but then I understand why she didn't. Yeah. I just really like the acting from Charlene Woodard. I think she's an incredible actress, and all of the scenes, she's able to bring so much humanity to every single one of her lines. Um, I, what, what I really liked about her is that as a scroll, she's still quoting a human poet. Mm -hmm. uh, she lives a life yes. as a human medical doctor. She's Dr. Priscilla Fury, and there were like uh, AMA awards around her, uh, around the home. Mm. Um, there was a book 
uh, that was like the book cover was framed when they show the shots around the house, and it's like de- deconstructing the superhuman uh, genome or something like that. So she's continuing to use her scroll insights to further like human scientific advancement. She's the antithesis to what Graphic was complaining to the Scroll Council about. So I really like that she just appreciates uh, human society and wants to help human society. She has that great attitude about it. I might just be reading too much into it. I do find it deeply problematic that a green-skinned scroll, two of them, because another one did this with Rhodey, specifically appropriated a dying black woman just to honeypot Nick Fury. And they touch on it a little bit. Fury... But Fury doesn't seem that mad about it. This scroll is like they want they created a profile for Nick Fury and like found, found someone who is his type. And doesn't that feel a little dirty? Doesn't that feel like a little bad that like she was jokering around through a, a dying cancer patient ward or whatever? You know, she had a different condition, uh, pretending to be some kind of medical expert, a doctor, uh, a nurse. And then just walked around and said, oh, that woman who's dying on her deathbed looks like Nick Fury's type. I'll uh, I'll become a friend to her and then I'll take on her skin. It's like, I don't, I, maybe I'm over, am I overthinking it? I, I don't know if you're overthinking it. I mean, I think that, yeah, that it's, that there is an interesting conversation there and like thinking about what the show is and the secret invasion angle of it. I feel like I, I have been a little let down on the uh, lack of, um, this is the plan all along type stuff. And for the one thing that we have seen to be that does feel a little bit like, I mean, not great. Yeah. I just, I don't know if Marvel Studios was prepared to tell this story the way we would need to tell. Like the world has changed. Like our world has changed since 2008, 2009, when Brian Michael Bendis' storyline came out. It's now 2023. Uh, When you make shows about people wearing other people's skin, you have to be prepared to have the conversation that the viewers are watching the show with. Uh, and I maybe I'm talking out my ass because I, I have a different uh, perspective on this. Maybe people aren't thinking about it this way. But I just think it's problematic to have a conversation. I'm using the word problematic. I'm sure a lot of your viewers are now like, oh, my God, snooze. But uh, I just think it's weird. I think it's weird to be sitting in a church with two black actors with an with like white British people singing an African-American spiritual, a slave song famous from Paul Robeson. And then they're just sitting there having no reaction to it. And they're both scrolls uh, pretending to be black people. And no one is talking about that. When they interviewed Kingsley Benadir about it, he's like, no, this is just a superhero show. Like he talked to some critics like this superhero show. We're not going to talk about this stuff, but it's like, how do you Uh. not talk about it? Like, I, 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 I don't know if I think Mar- Marvel might have bit off more than they can chew, yeah. honestly, with this. Yeah, you bring up some very, very, very good points there. I want to keep talking about this, but real quick, let's take a word from our sponsor. Don't hate. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I've been going down to the heat of Los Angeles with Gia a lot recently, and I've been loving the breeze thanks to my Bird Dogs. They got Oxford shorts, khaki shorts, bathing suits, and much, much more. My favorites are the Art Farts Knockers, and it's not just because of the name, it's because of the blue, but hey, the name doesn't hurt at all. Art Fart Knocker, come on. Go to birddogs.com slash kindoffunny or enter code kindoffunny for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash kindoffunny or use the promo code kindoffunny for a free Yeti-style tumbler. Birddogs.com slash kindoffunny. Promo code kindoffunny.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So where do we go from here? We have two episodes left. Probably like, I don't know, an hour and a half of content total. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like every yeah. week the episodes have ended and I'm like, okay, I can kind of see what's going to happen next. I feel like with where we're at with the president, it seems a little bit simultaneously too soon and too late to be dealing with this. Yes. Like, I, it feels kind of caught within itself. I, I, I don't know. Where, where are you at? I, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going back through trailer footage to see what's left. I, I know at some point we're going to see uh, more fracking pods. I think uh, we need to learn more about Fallsworth and what her angle is. Fallsworth um, is... Uh, Olivia Coleman's okay, character, yes. the MI6 person um i think there's going to be some other interesting reveals of other people we know who are scrolls i mean fury just now has the president of the united states in his car i i hope the episode begins with just a conversation between Dor- dermot mulroney and samuel l jackson awesome. I, i'm excited for that i oh, love yeah. both those actors and dermot can we just talk about how funny dermot was in that scene where drunk scrody was like hey listen i'm gonna quote vladimir lennon not john lennon vladimir uh when you uh, you hit flesh you push when you hit steel, you stop. And then if you look up the quote, the, the, the quote is actually when you hit mush, you push. And I'm surprised they didn't do mushy push because it's like a funnier drunk thing to say. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Ritson is that like. That drunk plot was really weird, by the way. <laughs> super weird. Which, Pappy Van Winkle, 23, She-Hulk Easter egg. I love that they brought that exactly, in. Exactly, right? So cool. Um, also, is Pappy Van Winkle getting a cut of this? They don't need it. It's $6,000 a bottle. <laughs> Who's going to buy this? Infamously, Eric, at uh, Kind of Funny Live 1. Uh, so back in 2015, um, Colin bought had a bottle. I don't know how you got the bottle, whatever. And it might've been a different one, but it was, mm. it was the Von Winkle stuff. I wasn't a big drinker back then. And, uh, he poured a shot out for each of us and I Ooh. accidentally knocked it over. <laughs> it's hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You knocked over. Yeah. 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 So I, I fucked that shit up. But, uh, anyways, <laughs> hey, you shouldn't spend that much money no, on, on liquor. I think it's what it comes down to. That's the lesson that'll be learned there. Yeah. The drunk subplot was weird because I understand getting the liquid tracker in Scrody. I'm sorry to gross everyone yeah. out. I call him Scrody, uh, to, so they can follow him. Um, but to have them continue to be drunk, I think, is just odd. And to get called out on it. And to get called from out the on president. it. And what did you think the moment was? Was it the, the Vladimir Lenin quote? I think it was the moment where Rody just kind of touches Ritz's yeah. arm and he's like, You don't touch fuck? the president. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not how this works. That All of that was weird. And, you know, something about that scene to me kind of like, really made the show stand out as a little bizarre. And this happens when we're. 40 projects into the MCU, but we've dealt so much with 2012 with the battle of New York. Then we've dealt a lot with the snap, the blip, like the ramifications of that, and especially in phase four and now five, the Disney plus um, shows kind of like uh, Falcon and winter soldier really dealing with the um, displacement of, of people, of jobs, of housing, of all that stuff. And it's like, that's so interesting of like, what would the world look like and how nations kind of, changed and would like what would happen if half the universe disappeared for five years Mm. and i feel like a lot of the other shows hinted at a lot more changes than this show now that we're getting the most actual political landscape stuff than we've ever gotten Mm -hmm. in the mcu it kind of feels like 
oh, Russia's Russia, China's China, America's yeah. America. It just kind of feels, I feel a little bit let down by the amount of times they bring up the blip, in this show even, and it just kind of seems like, yeah, the world's the way it was. Yeah, they just kind of like mention it, but we don't really see the ramifications of it other than some kids in a dirty camp somewhere playing soccer. That, yeah. that tends to be how they show like kids, more kids are playing soccer now. <laughs> that's that's, that's the big, biggest consequence of the blip. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think the only way we're properly going to explore the blip is with blip fiction. I think... Uh, the scenes in Avengers Endgame where we see the boats moored around Liberty Island, I think in WandaVision where she, where Monica Rambeau comes back in the hospital, I think is one of my favorite MCU mm-hmm. scenes. But other than that, just these references to the blip just feel cosmetic. They don't really feel like we're actually dealing with it. Um, so yeah, that's a shame. But hey, here's what I'll say. Russia has weirdly always been Russia in our world. Like we thought we thought things were cool with Russia with, you know, the end of the Cold War, but no, Russia we there was like one movie like uh Air Force 1 where Russia was kind of on our side. Um but then after that, Putin came back to power and Russia's just always been Russia. Uh, yeah. China has always been uh, China hasn't always been so confrontational. That's more been past 20 years sort of thing. But it is, I don't mind with the geopolitical landscape being what it is, but I don't feel like they are actually addressing politics. I don't think having the president in the show is enough to be addressing politics. We don't know if he's a Democrat or Republican. We don't know where he stands on the issues. I get that. It's a Disney, Marvel, Disney Plus show. They don't want to, like, you know, we, like, go into that. But, like, at least you can say he's, like, uh, pro-invasion on things. You can... I mean, there's certain American values that, like, at least all Americans agree. Yeah, any American president's going to be like this, probably. It's kind of like in that movie Love Actually. You mm-hmm. know, they have Billy Bob Thornton played the president, and he's kind of a mixture of like George W. Bush and Bill Clinton. He's like a womanizer, but he's like a southerner, and he seems just kind of like go it alone type. Like, you could make the president a bit more stubborn, kind of a, a you know, like that. We just don't really know what President Ritson believes or what his values are. Yeah. Um, he just seems kind of crotchety and doesn't like his elbow being touched. And, and exactly. So are we still on the same page that he's going to die? Yeah, I think I think he's going to go, um, which is a shame because I really love Dermot Mulroney. But in order for there to be a Harrison Ford Thaddeus Ross president in the MCU, there can't be a President Ritson. Um, so either he's going to lose re-election, he's going to have to resign. Mm, there is uh, that option. <laughs> or he's going to be killed. I don't think he's a scroll though. Right? Because I don't think they would kill someone who they could control so and manipulate. I, I guess that's the question, too. So we have two episodes left. Are, are there still scroll reveals coming that uh, of consequence? I hope so. I hope so. Because I'm not satisfied. Like, so far, Scrody has been a lot of fun. And I'm having a blast with it. Um, if there could just be someone else who gets implied to be a scroll that would affect um, uh, the Marvels, mm-hmm. or affect Captain, Amer- affect Captain America Brave New World, it would just be fun. All we need is just the implication that uh, CIA director Julie Louis-Dreyfus could be a scroll. I'd be good with that. Uh, a Happy Hogan. A Wong. If we can just have, like, the implication, you know, all we need to do is like we have these fracking pods we have names in a computer database mm-hmm. even if you couldn't get benedict wong or even if you couldn't get julie louis dreyfus or someone like that just have them scroll through and just see their name totally. in their headshot and that would scroll be enough scrolls. that would be that would be a lot of fun because then we could just be like holy crap all these people are scrolls and it's never going to come up yeah but we know deep we down know. Yeah. That this person's a scroll so with that let's talk about roadie what's the deal when yeah. For how when, long? When for how long? Like it, where is the real Rhodey? And how long has the real Rhodey been somewhere else? That is really the question. So Hector Navarro and I did like a video on this on New Rockstars last week where we went through Rhodey's timeline. We we agreed, and this may be different, it must have been after Civil War 
because Rhodey had that serious injury, was incapacitated, went under underwent surgery. It would have been really hard for them to maintain their their human fake status. So it's probably after that. In fact, I think it was probably after Endgame because I think it just would have been really it would be really weird for Marvel Studios to say the Rhodey who we saw crying at Tony Stark's death was a scroll who had a relationship with him. No, no, no. Let's. Let's make it after Endgame, hopefully, and um, it could, though, be before The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because if you go back to watch that first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Rhodey has some interesting lines. He goes like, the world's a crazy place. Allies are enemies. Enemies are allies. No one really knows what's going on. Someone needs to step up being leader. And I could totally imagine this scroll version of Rhodey saying that. So I think it could have been before The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but that's as far back as I would be comfortable do you think it out. gets addressed on the show? Like maybe yeah. not the specifics of it, but like do do we see him in a fracking pod yeah. or something like that? I think at this point they're going to have to in these next two episodes have Rhodey wake up and like the real Rhodey wake up in a fracking pod and say some kind of lines like the last thing I remember was this or I was just leaving Tony's funeral when Got this it. or you know something like that or maybe even I just hung out with Sam Wilson over at the Smithsonian. And then I was walking around the, uh, the the mall in Washington, D.C., and then someone threw me in the back of a van, and then I woke up here. How many years has it been or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. So, yeah. so we're expecting next week to kind of uh, continue this president plot of, of what's going on. What? Where do we end with Gaia and Gravik? Um, well, I think I don't see Gravik living on. If anything, I think the scroll who's playing Rhodey is more interesting of a villain right now. Could, I'm hoping that um, Rava plays the Varanki role and becomes mm-hmm. like kind of the scroll queen. All the way to the top. Just because I, I like Kingsley Benadir. I think he's a great actor. I like him in everything else. And even in this show, I like him. I just don't think his character is well written. And I don't trust him to be a, uh, a compelling villain. But Scrody has been delightful. And so I would love to see this Rava character become like an interesting player. Um, I think uh, obviously Gaia and Gravik are on different sides now. I think Gaia is now going to be on a vengeance crusade Mm -hmm. to avenge her father. Talos is dead. Uh, I think there's going to be some major fireworks. My hope, I've I've been theorizing throughout the season that we might have been seeing two Furies all this time. Not just the graphic theory, but in where where would that have been the case? So in the first few episodes, at least the first three episodes, we see Fury in kind of two different getups. Sometimes he's wearing glasses, sometimes he's not. And we know from episode one that those glasses have the infrared scanner. They mm-hmm. can measure things like you know, heat index, uh, um, heartbeat even. And there are scenes where he's wearing those same glasses when he's talking to people that he wants to get information from. So in episode three, he's talking to Priscilla with them on. He's talking to Talos with them on on the train. Uh, and it's specifically scenes where he's like trying to suss out if people are lying to him. Um, but there are other times where Fury's not wearing the glasses. And I think that Fury is at least just a Fury who isn't trying to get anything from anyone. He's just trying to be real with them. Um, and so I think... I'm, this is totally a reach theory. I get it. But I think it would be fun to reveal that all this time we've been seeing two different Furies having different conversations. And that one of them, one of them is another scroll that he has on the side. And maybe that's Soren. Maybe Soren isn't really dead. I mean, Soren can't be dead, right? It would, we need to see her. It just sucks to have killed her off off screen. It She's such an important no character. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I feel like we're seeing Soren. And I like that theory that there's the two Furies. And yeah. if it's Soren, I think that's even more interesting that could work. It could work. I mean, sense. it's my. I have to have a Mephisto every season. You need right? to. You got I need it. to pin my hopes on something crazy just yeah. to keep me believing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, the last thing I wanted to shout out um, that you were bringing up the the VFX in the scene of uh, Talos kind of like dying, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. mid transformation. I loved the shot of, of Scrody in the shower 
um like Ooh. as the scroll and like you get that shot in the mirror and just the the makeup and like the the imperfections on the face of the scroll humanized it in this amazing way where i feel like the show doesn't do the best job but when it does a good job i'm like really into it of really making the scrolls feel like believable aliens if that makes sense yeah. like it's not just like oh there's these aliens or whatever they're here it's like all right cool whatever it's like no no i believe that these are real people yes you know and i i think that a lot of that has to do with just the makeup and that shot of of her looking into the the mirror kind of like wiping her face and then becoming don Cheadle was like whoa like there was something about that that i, I thought was uh really kind of extraordinary agreed that was my favorite moment of the episode and specifically the transition coming from the scene with priscilla and with nick and then we cut to a shower seeing a female scroll we had seen priscilla as her vara form cutting vegetables i just assumed you know we just see close-ups of a female mm -hmm. scroll i i'm not obviously I'm, I'm not good at recognizing determining scrolls apart from each other so i just assumed real quick that that was that was uh fury's wife not at all. It's this other female scroll. I thought it was such a good fake out. And this is the best depiction of what home in my own skin is. Mm -hmm. This is a scroll okay with their scroll flesh. I think it's kind of been a weird thing how they say that these scroll warriors have to stay in their human forms at all times because clearly it, it starts to affect them. Wasn't it weird when Gaia came back to life and she immediately, instinctively went back to Amelia Clark form? She didn't have a moment to stay in her scroll body, I think. But it tells us something about these warriors that it's just an instinct now. Yeah. Um, but with this one, Scrody, uh, Rava, it's weird. We have Rava and Vara. It's like literally they swap yeah. the letters around. Um, but... Uh, Scrody was like taking this moment in the shower and then just I think it's such a perfect transition the wipe made it feel like it was a begrudging like alright putting the makeup back 100%, on like yeah. hated it um, but I mean if I looked in the mirror and saw Don Cheadle Don Cheadle's a handsome handsome yeah, gentleman and no one should feel bad about looking like Don Cheadle but I, I'd like that sense of the, the disgust uh, I was trying to think of um, the example uh, oh it's like almost like Agent Smith Right, where he's like, I hate this planet. I hate it. Stinks like everything stinks about it. That's that's what I got from that moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So I thought that was that was such a cool moment. This like shampoo commercial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, totally, totally. So guys. good. Yeah, so, and good. so it was just great. It was just such a nice little thing that like I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, let us know in the comments below what you thought about episode four of Secret Invasion and what your theories are for the final two episodes. Eric, once again, where can people find you and what what do you got uh, going on that's exciting in the next couple of weeks? Uh, so the New Rockstars Network, we have the New Rockstars main channel. We got the deep dive. We got the break room. Uh, all three channels are really great, worthy of subscribing, but it might be on the channel by the time you watch this video, Jurassic Park, a deep dive of Jurassic Park. Ooh. We're in the middle of Spielberg summer right now, and uh, we're doing Jurassic Park this week and Jaws next week. And those two movies I watch every summer. They're always great, and I find all kinds of new, interesting goodies in there that I thought I had seen everything, but no, there's some other details that I found that are new. That is awesome. So yeah, definitely go check that out. Uh, we'll be back next week, but until then, have a marvelous day.